Super Talk Mississippi media production. In the Mississippi Legislature, House Bill 728 funds health care for illegal immigrants. Call your legislator today at 601-359-3770. Ask them to stop House Bill 728. It's not too late. You can help stop this. Paid for by Building America's Future. We've got some training camp stuff to talk about. We are, give or take a week into it, something like that, depending on uh, what team you root for. We are roughly a week into training camp. Good evening. Glad to see you, T. Welcome. Good to see you. We're about a week into training camp, depending on what team you root for. Some uh, a little bit more, some a little bit less, but that's what we're talking about today. If there's anything at all that has happened so far in training camp that we have learned about your two teams. It's really hard uh, to gauge, truthfully. A lot of it's conjecture and all that stuff. Most of the coaches would probably roll their eyes at what we're about to say, but that's okay because we're going to do it anyway. What we have learned about Ole Miss and State so far in training camp as we sit, we are... Got to pull the numbers up. Got to pull the numbers up. Uh, I'm getting my internet worked on tomorrow. It's being very, very slow right now. But, uh, but that's okay. I will stall until it is uh, until it's time. Here we go. So 24 days until week one. So we still got over three weeks until the season actually begins. But anyway, that's what we're talking about tonight. Glad you guys are with me. My name is Michael Borky. As always, fancy intro. Yeah, I kind of screwed it up, though, there for a second. I've got to like play with it a little bit. But I appreciate that. Uh, production value going up. On these things, uh, maybe uh, eventually we can get to a thousand subscribers. Climbing slowly at a time. Speaking of that, if you have not subscribed already, please do and like the video if you have not already. Uh, if you want, you can follow me on Twitter. Just search Michael Borky, or if you're watching on Facebook or Twitter, find me on YouTube. Same name, not very creative. It's fine. Search there, subscribe, uh, like the video as well. I would appreciate that very very much so where should we start old mr state old mr state let's uh let's flip a coin here i don't have a coin i've got one of my son's hippos how's that he's taken over my office i don't know you guys probably can't see that but this used to be like my office this was my place to do what i wanted with i've got you know sports stuff on the walls i've got Fish tank, you can see back there. I've got a crested gecko, actually, in the tank right here. This was my place. 
And now I've got stuff like this everywhere. <laughs> I've got a hippo. I've got that gigantic teddy bear that the kid loves. There's a racetrack in here. There's a, there's also a, uh, a turtle, a plastic one. I only have one reptile in this house. Um, there's toy cars. It's it's just a mess. So we'll uh, we'll flip the hippo left side for state, right side for Ole Miss. Here we go. Left side, Mississippi State will lead us off. What we have learned so far from training camp in Starkville, uh, the the first thing, the most important thing, or at least one that we actually kind of know that they have is they they love absolutely love the group of wide receivers. Uh, that they have, and and they should, right? There's a couple of guys that you know what they are capable of. Uh, you know what, even though he's, for whatever it's worth, on a depth chart, not listed first. I don't think that particularly matters in this offense. But you know what you've got with Wally. You know what you've got with uh, Robert Thomas. You know what you've got with Tulu Griffin. But guys like uh, Ducking, for example, have emerged. Uh, th- there's... Uh, a couple of transfers that they really believe in. Every time I talk to somebody about Mississippi State and camp and stuff like that, every single one of them has talked about the depth of their group of wide receivers. Uh, you, you know, they lose a very important piece from last year's team, and he was quite good. Uh, but it almost feels like the, the the tone, the mood, the feeling. Uh, around camp there in Starkville is quite simply they they believe very deeply, uh, pun kind of intended, in, in their group of wide receivers. Uh, they think they've got uh, effective ones. They think they've got, uh, well, they already have the proven uh, couple of guys that I mentioned, but they think that they have quality depth at that position group um, in a way that they haven't had yet under Mike Leach. And if you consider Mississippi State's history with wide receiver uh, in terms of depth and, and ability, they haven't had a receiver room like this in quite some time. It just it hasn't been a place that's really produced high-quality wide receivers. But in this case, uh, one thing that we know is that, and we have to see it proven on the field, but they, they, they believe, they truly believe that they, they have even upgraded, even without Makai Polk at wide receiver. They really believe in that. Uh, position group. I would love to see this year, and, and you guys have talked about it a ton. I'm sure you've heard people talk about it. I have. Uh, I would love to see more uh, deep threat out of that group. Somebody I would love to see emerge as a, as a downfield target, and part of that has to come with, of course, the offensive line and protecting more so they can push the football down the field. I would also like to see Will Rogers take more risks throwing the football down the field, especially early in the middle of last season. There were guys that were open that he either wasn't risking or did not see. That's I think if they want to take the next step forward, that needs to be a part of the offense. I know the air raid is built around short, quick passing game and stuff like that, but there's still a vertical element that they have not had consistent at all at Mississippi State for Mike Leach. And, and if they're going to take the next step forward, that has to become – a threat in this offense. Who is that going to be? And number one, who is that going to be at wide receiver? Who's going to be that guy? And then will Will Rogers have the time and the desire slash ability slash vision to execute a vertical passing game? I don't think State is going to take that step forward without that element 
being a part of their offense. But that is something that we, I believe, it's it's fair to say now that we have learned about that team is that wide receiver group uh, that they truly think that is as good as they were hoping it would be, and they have really showed out in camp uh, so far. We can't know about the offensive line. Uh, we just we can't know yet. Uh, Jason, actually, who's in the chat right now, uh, brought up a really good point on our text line on the radio show. It's a really good point. When talking about the right tackle position. So I've said many times to you guys, the, the offensive line's issue was not just Lashley last year. It wasn't just the right tackle was bad. The rest of the unit was good. And if not for the right tackle, everything would have been peachy up front. Quite frankly, it was the opposite. If not for the left tackle, it would have been a unit that's pretty bad uh, across the board. Uh, they need to be better up front. And now they're missing that first round pick at left tackle. Uh, you know, people feel good about the interior. They think that it's a pretty experienced group and, and that they're taking a step forward, sure. But Jason brought up a really good point. He said, if Scott Lashley was so, so, so bad and that any human being that exists would be better than him, why is he being replaced with somebody that was on the roster a year ago and has been in the program for a little while now? If Lashley was so bad, then then why is his replacement not somebody that they got from outside of the program? Why was his replacement not playing last year if he was if he was so bad? That's actually a really, really good question, and it's one that we're not going to know the answer to. I don't think until they play LSU. I, I don't know if we're really going to see. Um. I don't know if we're really going to see, and and the same thing applies to Ole Miss. I don't know really truly if all of the questions about Ole Miss are going to be answered probably until week five. I don't think we're going to know anything, truly know the answers uh, to that question about Mississippi State up front on the offensive line, vertical passing game, things like that, uh, until they play LSU in week three. Because quite frankly, I know state some state fans kind of cringe at this thought. I think Mississippi State is going to soundly beat Memphis. And even with the weird kickoff in the weird environment, it's a 10 o'clock local time start, and it's going to be a sleepy atmosphere with a half-full stadium. Um, all that's true. But uh, I think that Mississippi State is going to take easy care of their first two opponents. And so I, I don't think that they're the best gauge of of what this team is going to be. I think LSU will be a really good measuring stick. Kentucky will be that for Ole Miss. So uh, we won't know about the offensive line until week three for State. Uh, people there think that the group is going to be better. You hope they're right. Uh, you, you hope they're right. Because as I've said before, nothing else matters on, on offense if they don't get better there. And now they're without a, a first-round pick. Uh, the defense should be known by more people outside of here. It's not, but it should be. Uh, I have talked about them a hundred times with you guys. I've talked about them a hundred times on the radio show. It needs to be said again. Mississippi State defensively is going to surprise people. I don't know why they are so underlooked. I, and I think it's just a product of who their head coach is. And it's Mike Leach and it's the quirkiness and it's the offense. And nobody talks about Zach Barnett, who is the most underrated underappreciated coordinator in the SEC. And if I had 
somebody say to me on our radio show text line that nobody's scared of Mississippi State. You're just full of you know what. And it was an Ole Miss fan. And I said, okay, if that's how you want to, if that's what you think, that's that's fine. But I promise you, your team is not going to think that way come Egg Bowl time. I promise you that. That front six is legit. They're experienced, really, really experienced. Zach Arnett's an aggressive play caller with a unique style of defense, and they still have an NFL corner in the back end. It's going to be a salty defense. Are they going to be the best? Are they like Georgia level? Are they Alabama level with Will Anderson? No, I'm not saying that. But everybody, when they talk about Mississippi State, talks about offense, and you've heard me say this before. I'm a broken record, all right? I'm going to repeat myself. I've said this before. I'll say it again. That posi- that that side of the ball for Mississippi State is being dramatically overlooked. And so I'm trying to oversell it because nobody's talking about it. That side of the ball for State should be, based on everything we know, and apparently you know they're getting healthy as well on the defensive line, w- which helps with depth. But at camp, they have looked like you would hope they have looked, apparently. Um, I don't get to see them because they, they do practices during the radio show. Also, I don't live in Starkville. But um, apparently, uh, they they have been healthy, remain healthy, and they are practicing in a way that you would expect from a group that returns this much experience. And the rest of the SEC is going to get taken by surprise with how good this defense is. Not the coaches, but but the fans. People think Mike Leach, they think they're going to score a lot of points and they're going to give up a lot of points. Not this team. Not, not this, this group is not going to give up a lot of points on a weekly basis. Um, Alabama might get them. Not my, they will because they'll get everybody. Georgia will get them. But I think it's going to be a pretty salty group. So. I'm going to ride that train until it falls off the rails for uh, for sure. So that's Mississippi State. I'll do uh, some things we've learned about Ole Miss, and then I'll get to your comments. Uh, a lot of you guys have already dropped some in, and I appreciate that, uh, that very much. Um, so I'll get to those here in a second. What we learned so far from Ole Miss camp is, um, is that the secondary is for real. Uh, you've probably heard me and a lot of people talk about uh, how deep they are. Uh, uh, it's even deeper than we probably thought. You've got young players whose names weren't really on the forefront that are doing things in camp that are surprising people. Physically, they looked the part. Athletically, they looked the part. They've got NFL bodies uh, all over that back six. Uh, they've got a couple of guys that are strong safeties, if you will, they're, that are going to line up like really close to the line of scrimmage. And you might still see some six defensive back looks, but. Um, it's for real. It's deep. It's too deep across the board. There's NFL bodies on it. That secondary for Ole Miss is is showing in camp, and then some. Um, quite just how talented they really are. That is a, a back six, if you want to call it a back six. If they keep running a three two six, which I think they'll vary a little bit, but you get my point. Ole Miss's secondary. Um, I would say is as good as advertised. I don't think that they are properly talked about. Uh, like around the SEC, people don't, when they when they look at Ole Miss, they think Kiffin and offense and Jackson Dart. Nobody wants to talk about uh, Ole Miss's defense. Yes, Chris Partridge is replacing DJ Durkin, 
but regardless of who's calling the plays, the defensive back room, so I guess the safeties in the DB room, is loaded, absolutely loaded with talent at Ole Miss. They are deep, really, really, really deep in the secondary, and uh, they have showed out in camp so far. The next thing that we have learned, or I think we've learned, is that they might be better at wide receiver than people were anticipating going into camp. There was a lot of question marks about Ole Miss and wide receiver. Uh, quite frankly, who who is going to play? Who's going to be their wide receivers? I don't know. Well, I think some guys have emerged. Uh, Mingo is is healthy, physically really looks the part. Uh, Malik Heath um, is is a vertical threat that you know the stuff with State got weird and he got hurt last year and you know he said some things at camp and and all that and, and there's a lot of stuff surrounding him but. You state fans can admit this, I think, that you state fans can admit that the physical tools are absolutely there. Uh, apparently, he has bought in and is doing all the right things, which is what people say, but apparently he has. Jalen Knox, the Missouri transfer, is healthy. Uh, Flash Robinson, the transfer from UCF, uh, people say that he moves similarly uh, to Elijah Moore. They've got some bodies now at wide receiver. We'll see which one is able to step up and be like the guy. Somebody's got to do that. But in terms of of talent, and in some cases experience, you know, Mingo's been banged up, but he's got experience. Jalen Knox was really, really good at Missouri. Robinson was good, really good at UCF. And it, and it sounds like the the first week or so of practices have – shown that they are more capable at wide receiver than people knew going into camp. And the third thing is uh, the quarterback position. um, We haven't learned anything about it yet, and there is a void that is being filled by just stuff. I have speculated it's part of the job, right? I am not making fun of other media people for speculating things because I've done that quite often. I, I do think... There, there have been some, or I have seen some people say things like, it's Luke Altmyer's job to lose, or he's the front runner right now. And, and I would really caution people against either one, saying that about either one. Either one. Uh, I would really caution people against that. If you listen to Lane Kiffin's press conference yesterday, um, he said that practices, he straight up said, which I, I admire, actually, uh, coaches don't tell the truth that often. He said that they weigh scrimmages far more than practices. They've got one coming up Saturday and another one the next Saturday, which will be closed off to everybody. The next one this Saturday is like pseudo meet the Rebels Day. I don't know, whatever. But it's open to fans. You'll get to see some of that. But those two scrimmages are going to be a heavy, heavy factor in the decision. There is no front runner until those things happen. Uh, I think it would be disingenuous for me to tell you that there is a front runner. Now, I've heard things about how one is uh, practiced this day, of course, and you guys read the practice reports and stuff from people that are there, and I've heard things about how this guy does good things, and Lane Kiffin says they both do good things, they both do bad things. That's all just kind of filling the void until they watch them in game-like settings and make a decision from there. What we've learned about the quarterback position, quite frankly, is that we haven't learned anything. There is no current front runner uh, to suggest that would be disingenuous. Uh, I think right now they haven't made a decision. They're not close to making a decision. They don't need to make one right now with games three plus weeks away. Um, so I would caution 
you when you're reading quarterback stuff to to really read it. And if somebody or, or, or listen to it, and if somebody's talking about front runner, they're wrong. I, I hate to be so blunt, but they're wrong. The coaches don't even have a front runner right now. So there, there, there simply isn't one at the moment. And so people are filling the, uh, the void with conjecture, which is what I do, which is what I just did. Um, I, I still have a theory, and I, I've talked to you guys about it before. I think I have a theory that uh, they will go with the guy, just a theory, they will go with the guy that gives them a higher upside, a, a taller ceiling, even if it means the flow, the floor is lowered. Because conservative is not winning in Fayetteville. Conservative is not winning in the game against Alabama, which is a long shot anyway. Conservative is not, not being Texas and College Station. Conservative is not winning in, in Baton Rouge. I think they're going to go with the whoever they believe raises the ceiling, even if it means the floor is lower as well. And I think that's just mentality and style. But that is just me guessing. I, I don't know, uh, nor does anybody else at this point. So there you go. What we've learned from camp, not much, not much. There's very little to go by, but that's what we have learned so far. Jason says, I've, I'd say we've learned nothing, but if I'm an Ole Miss fan, I'm very concerned with Lane specifically mentioning having to replace Corral's elite arm talent. Why would that especially concern you? Matt Corral had elite arm talent. I mean, that, that that's that's been totally, completely understood since the beginning. Uh, neither... Nobody, and I said this back in the spring because the conversation was, who's going to replace Matt Corral? And I say nobody. Nobody they could have brought in will will be him. Uh, I said the same thing after they lost Elijah Moore. No, How did they replace Elijah Moore? Nobody. Who's going to step up in Elijah Moore's role? Nobody, because they don't have Elijah Moore on roster. They still did just fine a year ago. Matt Corral has elite arm talent. He's on an NFL team with two former top picks in the draft, and he has the most arm talent on his team. On an NFL team with two former top picks on it in front of him on the depth chart, he's got more arm talent than the both of them. It's just, that's, it's just reality. Have I seen Elvis yet? I have not. I have not. My wife wants to. So as you can imagine, that means that I will be seeing it uh, as as well, I'm looking forward to it though. I love I love stuff like that. I really enjoyed. Um, I, I don't remember what it was called, but the uh, the movie about Freddie Mercury and Queen. Um, really enjoyed that. I, I like stuff like that. That so I, I'll watch it and, and like it. Jason also says, "Bingo! I love Hey Dad, but he completely misses that a whole lot of those dump offs last year weren't by choice. Rogers was good downfield when he had time." Zach says, yeah, I still remember watching Charles Cross get destroyed three plays in a row against a guy from Louisiana Tech and trying to figure out where all this round one hype was coming from later in the season. Will says, Albert Reese wasn't ready, but I see what you're saying. Fair enough. Appreciate uh, you, Will and Zach. Jason also says, that's what scares me about State coming out here. They should destroy Arizona, but weird time, maybe Monsoon Storms conference opener the next week. MSU and Leach historically lose those things. It will be a weird environment. I mean, t- 10 o'clock local time. So 10 o'clock for, for your body's clock on the road. And I don't know what the facility's like. I know that half the seats are going to be empty. That's weird. 
Boy Scout Bops has been hearing big things about Xavier Thomas, the freshman wide receiver. Sounds like he will be a stud if he stays at MSU. Yeah, Mike Leach um, doesn't <laughs> he doesn't really rave about anybody, uh, and he does about him. That receiver group at State, they they believe in it and they should. There's a lot of talent there, but especially considering the talent and experience that they have, a freshman showing out the way that he has is um is really impressive is is really impressive and as you know that system will spread the love uh, around so um a young wide receiver even with all the guys above him in age anyway should still get plenty of touches to be happy to stick around i know the the era of the transfer portal makes people worried that their players are going to leave before they get chances uh not to make a state thing about old miss but lane kiffin even mentioned that today about, I believe, J.J. Henry. He said, you know, he's a guy that didn't play much early and stuck around for a couple years, and that never happens anymore. Um, It's a shame that it goes down like that, but in this offense, he should get plenty of touches, even despite his age and experience level. Hopefully that will will keep him happy. Memphis Rebel says, people get uh, surprised when I say Ole Miss's secondary is underrated. It's like, yeah, they'd have more interceptions if their defensive front seven was better the last two years. Yeah, anybody dismissing this secondary from Ole Miss is in for uh, an awakening. There are a a handful of NFL bodies in that secondary. Uh, It's it's a – and they're really good in run support. That that's the biggest thing. In the back half of last season, they were running a three-two-six defense. They were running a three-two-six, and they were good enough against the run. Why is that? Because they had guys like Otis Reese, like Jacob Springer, that were able to step up and stop the run. Now Springer is gone, but Tennyson, the Auburn transfer, uh, apparently is very good in in run defense. Otis Reese is a linebacker. He's a linebacker size, and and he'll play that close to the line of scrimmage. The Iowa State transfer is going to play a similar role. I mean, they they've got so many bodies back there. They've recruited that position so well. Yeah, anybody dismissing Ole Miss's secondary is going to find out the uh, the hard way. They will. Jason says also nobody back home is entertaining the idea that most of that Arizona team from last year are gone for better or for worse. It'll be a completely different team. Did I see the pretty ball corral through in one of their practices a couple of days ago? Absolutely. Oh, I mean, he has got he's got all the ability in the world. You, you just you hope the situation in uh, in Carolina doesn't you know get him kind of lost in the fold. This preseason's pretty important for him, and uh, I was kind of encouraged for him when I uh, when I saw the rumors that the the Panthers are shopping Sam Darnold. If they're shopping Sam Darnold, that means that they believe that Corral will be uh, an absolutely capable backup to Baker Mayfield. If they're shopping Darnold, it means the guy behind Darnold, they feel like can fit the role of number two quite well. So that's encouraging if, in fact, they actually are doing that. Do I expect a slow start of the season from State? No, quite the opposite. I I think, especially that Memphis game, uh, not that it, revenge game isn't the right word against a program like Memphis, but I have a feeling that it won't be hard for, for Leach and Arnett to get their team's attention when Memphis is coming to town, and that won't be as good of a Memphis team anyway. But I, I feel like they will be extremely motivated and will take that game seriously. 
and I kind of expect them to come out of the gates hot. It's the the week three game is. It, how how do you how far into the season does slower hot start matter? Because like I think the first two weeks they're going to win by four touchdowns each game. I do. Um, so no, I, I don't expect a slow start at all. Quite the opposite. We'll learn about quality in uh, in week three. Absolutely, Malik Heath physically and talent-wise should be and should have been a monster, but Jason says uh, that he's he's not particularly smart. Fix that, and he's an asset. Jason is pretty blunt, and I, I respect that and appreciate that. Now, what if, talking about the scrimmage and the quarterbacks, now what if both finish with around 100 yards and a couple of touchdowns without turnovers? Um. You know that that is probably what they want, right? They want them to to play as equally as possible. But um, these two practices, it was kind of crazy, um, because this is year three, right? This scrimmage on Saturday and the next one are the most important practices in Lane Kiffin's uh, young Ole Miss coaching career. Um. You want them to, to compete, and you want it to be close and all that, but these these next two weeks, you want somebody to emerge as the better option and the guy. And so we'll see if that's able to happen. A lot of people this weekend will get to see it themselves. If Dart loses but doesn't transfer, you see a scenario where he's like, I'm going to win it next year and beats out Altmaier. Wow, that's a really good question. Um, I have a feeling that whoever loses is transferring, even though Dart lost his penalty-free transfer. Apply for a waiver or or, or something like that. I, I would expect after the season, whoever doesn't play, let's pretend for a second that Dart wins the job and plays all season I think Altmaier's gone, and I also think the exact same thing in, in the opposite scenario. Boy Scott Bob also says, I think the offensive line will not be a big issue for State this year. I think that front seven on defense for State is really good and will help the offensive line improve. You hope so. Uh, you hope so. And I mean, there, there are, um, you know what they say, iron sharpens iron, right? But it is a really good unit to be practicing against uh, for sure because the beauty too of state practicing against their one defense is state's defense is a three down lineman look which is what they're going to see every week all season what rush three drop eight so they get to practice against a look that they're going to get basically all season that should help them you would think I hear you, Will. Will says I uh, I say that from his earlier comment uh, about a state player not being ready as an excuse because I think about the adjustment period that state offensive line starters needed from two, 2020 to 21. The line in 2020 was horrible. The The growing pains of going from Moorhead to Leach's system manifested up front for sure. Bob also says I think the biggest question is where the production of Years production of 
yearns come from the receiver position who's going to stand out or will it be divided among them all uh you hope somebody like makai polk emerges to to be the primary target but that offense is just so spread out that yes there will be a primary receiver but there's there's significant balance in the way the ball is uh, distributed in that offense and it kind of has to be with the way they're defended right because if let's just say wally is a guy that emerges as their number one target and he's the best wide receiver and they go to him often. Well, because teams are only going to bring three, sometimes four, they're going to bracket states better because of uh, their best target is going to get bracketed. That's just how it will, uh, that's how it will shake out. Don't worry, I've got a tech coming out to fix my internet tomorrow, hopefully. Sorry, I know that the feed is just horrible right now. It's going to get fixed eventually. Michael says, don't anticipate the offensive line and running backs to be less than good for sure. How good is where my imagination meets? Yeah, yeah, how good could the ceiling be? Uh, I think State's ceiling, I mean, their ceiling's probably nine. And that's not that crazy to think about. I mean, they have, unfortunately, they have to play Georgia. So they already get the schedule loss with Alabama, which I say the exact same thing about Ole Miss, by the way. So uh, I'm being fair. But they also get Georgia. And regardless of where Georgia and Alabama are on the schedule, call me a cynic or a hater or whatever, but I don't think that the, the the talent gap is so large that I don't think winning those games is possible. I just don't. Um so that is right around where the ceiling is. What happens if Dart loses, but Altmeyer gets injured, leading Dart to have a good season? Wally Pip. That's uh, that's what will happen. But, you know, I, I had somebody ask me if, well, let's pretend that that Dart wins the job. Would Altmaier transfer right away? Well, no, of course not, because he's one play away from being the guy, and he could do the Wally pipping himself. Um, but that's that's likely what would happen. I don't foresee them both playing their eligibility out at Oxford. I, I think one of the two is going to play college football somewhere else. After this season. I do think that. Jason has stayed anywhere between 3 and 10 wins. And the offensive line is the only thing holding them up. I don't like what I saw last year other than Cross. That's absolutely fair. The 3 thing I don't think is happening. I think their floor is like 6. But I hear you. Mason, that's a great question. He says, how do we fix college football's issue of only having four teams at the top every year? The NFL is a much better product right now. It is absolutely a much better product right now. Um, one thing that college football can do, Mason, and it's the people that that air it and cover it, stop making the playoff the only thing that matters. That, that would be a big step forward if they stopped talking about the playoff, as if it's the only thing in college football that matters. The national coverage of the sport is just playoff, 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 playoff. That's all anybody talks about. That's all anybody cares about is the playoff. Ohio State players during their media day last week 
said that last season they won nothing, that it was a failure, that they won nothing last season. They played in and won one of the most epic Rose Bowls of all time. The Rose Bowl is now being described as something that doesn't matter. The rhetoric around bowl games not mattering and being meaningless and whatever, and the amount of time spent on talking about only the playoff has diluted the product some. And before you say, well, why media coverage doesn't matter, it does. It does. It influences people. It, it absolutely does. Media influences, even in sports. Truly, 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 it does. And so when the only thing that these people that put these games on talk about is the playoff, that's all they talk about, then that becomes the only thing that matters. So only three games a year matter, and six teams vying to play in those three games matter. And stuff like the Rose Bowl becomes nothing, even though Utah and Ohio State played in one of the most epic games of all time. And it's just nothing. Uh, they'll never do this, Mason. I think the best way, though, truthfully, to, to get parity is to reduce the scholarship limit. They'll never do it. They should. They'll never do it. What they should do is decrease the scholarship limit at the FBS level and increase the scholarship limit at the FCS level. So FBS programs can, as you guys know, offer 85 scholarships for their team. The FCS level is 63. 22 fewer players on their roster on scholarship. You, you reduce the FBS level by 10, and you bring the FCS level up by 10. So you continue to allow kids to go to college for free, the same number of kids to go to college for free. You don't take that aspect away. But those 10 players at the bottom of Alabama's roster and Georgia's roster go to Ole Miss, go to Mississippi State. Then the bottom 10 from Ole Miss and State's roster go to places like Southern Miss. And suddenly you can't have talent hoarding in Tuscaloosa and in Athens. Instead, you can have more balanced rosters that way. They'll never do it, but if they really cared about parity and they wanted to maintain the number of scholarships available, that's what they would do, and that's why the sport um, – or, or that's how you can help the sport. But the coverage of it is just garbage. It's, it's absolute gar – college football coverage outside of a very small number of national media people. Nationally, the coverage of college football is absolute garbage. It's horrible. And it's a detriment to the sport. It is. It really is. Because, again, the Rose Bowl, one of the most epic Rose Bowls of all time, doesn't matter. It's nothing. Meaningless. It's sad. It's really, really sad. How about Bianco becoming the second highest paid coach in college baseball? Hey, when you win a national title... That's what you get. You get paid like a national champion when you win one. And he'll get passed eventually. I mean, you know, Tony Vitello, when he inevitably goes to Omaha next year and flames out, which will be really, really funny, he'll get a raise. You know, it, it'll even out some, but that's what you get when, when you win titles. What happens if half the transfers at Ole Miss don't live up to the expectations, which is possible? Well, it depends on which transfers don't, right? I mean, you can say the same thing about recruits, though. You know, what happens if these recruits don't live up to the hype? I mean, there's 85 guys on scholarship at Ole Miss and, what, 20, 
five of them roughly are transfers. So it's not like it's the only thing that they have. It's fair though. Um, you know, what happens if Mason Brooks isn't any good? What happens if Troy Brown isn't any good? Apparently, they're both holding their own in camp, but it's just camp, right? Um, if Troy Brown's not very good, Ole Miss has got an issue at linebacker. That's that's real. But, but there's enough known there to, to make you think that it won't be a complete disaster if half the transfer class doesn't, uh, doesn't perform well. There's enough known... I think, to where it's not a complete disaster. Oh, Ole Miss's ceiling? Ole Miss's ceiling is um, 10, probably. They're not beating Alabama, because I don't think anybody is. Um, you know, Difficult road games in Fayetteville and College Station and Baton Rouge. Uh, 10, probably, is the ceiling, I think. Would State be 7-0 with Ole Miss's schedule out of the gate? Would they be 7-0 going to Baton Rouge? Possibly. Possible. <laughs> what is Wally Pipping? Um, Wally Pipping, I, I guess I made it an adjective. Wally Pip is a baseball player that... Um, Here, I'm pulling it up to so I can read it accurately. But he was a uh, he was the first baseman that uh, I mean he he was a big time player, home run hitter, all that stuff, and then he got hurt and lost his starting job to Lou Gehrig, and then never won his job back. So that's Wally Pip. As I finally pull it up. So he had a headache. He didn't get injured. He had a headache. So Lou Gehrig stepped in and he never won his job back. And Lou Gehrig started 2,130 consecutive games after Wally Pip had a headache inserting Lou Gehrig into the lineup. So that's getting Wally Pipped is... When you're a good player and you're playing well and you get injured and the next guy comes in and never gives you his job back, that, that is getting Wally pipped, or that is the Wally pip. The more you know. Do I think the SEC eclipses the Big Ten and how much they'll make per year? Yes, I do. Not right away, but they will. Absolutely, they will. They will. Jason Agree says, that's a huge problem. I hear at any time I go to Tempe or Tucson, we can't make the playoff, they say. Both of these schools were madhouses when I was out here 20 years ago. It's a shame. But you tell people your games don't matter. That, that's what you're telling people. The programs in this state, truthfully, on an almost annual basis, are not playing for a national championship. Luckily, people around here still love the Sugar Bowl. But you tell these programs what you're playing for doesn't matter. Bowl games, they don't matter. They're useless exhibitions. Nobody cares. They're useless. You tell them that their seasons don't matter. The overwhelming majority of college football is told your seasons, your games don't matter. That has an effect on people. It does. 
What is MSU's kicking and punting situation looking like during camp? I don't know about punting, but I know uh, Biscardi is uh, apparently impressive. And so they've got a field goal kicker for sure. I don't know about punting. I'll have to look into that. Truthfully, I don't know. But they they really like uh, Massimo Biscardi. Joseph says, I think there should be a cap on how many stars you can sign depending on how your final rankings shake out. The only problem with that, Joseph, is then you're getting into telling high school kids where they can't go to college. You're making a college decision for a high school kid. And that is, um, that's a complete non-starter. Boy Scout Bob also says, I can't wait to watch Kermit ball this fall. Um, You're, you might be the only one. (laughs) Are you being mean? They have some talent. Um, they do, but that uh, that Bahamas trip wasn't inspiring in terms of offense. Am I an Ole Miss fan? On the show, I hear you mention that you hang out with Ole Miss fans. That's where I went to school, but I do cover them both. And um, if you actually listen to what I say and not take into consideration where I went to school, I think you'll hear that I'm very fair um, to Mississippi state and Ole Miss. And, and I'm critical when I believe it's fair and warranted. And I praise when it's fair and warranted. And I have no animosity whatsoever towards the school. And there are some people that can't think that that's possible. And it's a shame because it is, but, um, yeah, I did go to school there. I grew up in South upstate South Carolina and then, uh, and then went to school there. If Kiffin stays two to three more years, I think Judkins becomes the next big running back. Yeah. he. Uh, th- when you've got guys like Zach Evans or, that are like, whoa, this kid's unreal. Uh, that was a huge get. That was Remember, that was the guy that Lane Kiffin personally recruited to the end, and he doesn't do that. He doesn't put effort into individual recruits like he did Judkins. The, the kid's going to be a star. Um. And he'll play a lot this year as a freshman, even in a running back room with Zach Evans and Ulysses Bentley the fourth, um, and Kentrell Bullock, who apparently they really, really like. So, anyway, good stuff tonight, guys. I really appreciate it. I've uh, I've got a couple more things to do uh, this evening, but thank you. Don't forget to like the video. Please like the video. Subscribe to the channel if you have not already. I will be back Sunday night uh, to talk about hopefully not more just camp conjecture. Uh, we got preseason football this weekend, some other stuff as well. So thank you. Subscribe. Please subscribe if you have not already. Um, and, yeah, thank you. Thank you. I'll see you guys on Sunday night, 745 Sunday night. I will see you then. Y'all have a great rest of your week. Subscribe, and I'll see you then. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.